It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Wizards. Your daily Washington Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I mean, this is a bold statement, but I like coaching this team better, right? <laughs> the other team, I, it's no fun. It's no fun. It's 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 actually it's not fun at all. Hopefully, we can be this team more often, and and, and we can. You know, we got a prideful group of guys that, that we didn't like what happened, but we said that enough. Now it's time to go out there and do it. And, I like the intensity. I like the focus. I like the commitment to each other. The ball was moving. The hockey assist was huge tonight. It was so many extra passes. All right. That, of course, Wizards coach Scott Brooks following Friday night's big win over the Houston Rockets, explaining the duality of these Wizards. They look great against the good good to great teams and look completely disinterested against the under 500 teams. But last night was one of those uptick efforts as the Wizards handled Houston, particularly in the fourth quarter, pulling away. Ben Sandick here for another episode of the Locked on Wizards podcast. Coming to you guys on Saturday morning, uh, Friday night after the game. Had a couple of the things going on, so didn't have a chance to put up the podcast. But don't worry, we've got you covered today. I just spoke with my guy, Adam Rubin, uh, from truthaboutit.net. We broke down what happened last night in the game. Looked ahead to Sunday's. Interesting matchup against the Chicago Bulls, especially considering, as we know, the Bulls have an under 500 record, which who knows what that means for the Wizards, but the Bulls have actually been a very hot team of late. Um, so we'll get into bo- all those things. Plus, I've got a little bit of audio here post game, also from Jan Mihimi, who was a big contributor in that game last night. He had a plus 25 plus minus in just 20 minutes. Scott Brooks praised his defense as well. So 
Get to all that here in just a moment on the Locked on Wizards podcast. Of course, you know you hear me say this all the time, but it's important. Please subscribe to the podcast. Make it your New Year's resolution if you haven't done so already. And not even that, tell a friend. New Year's resolution. Join the Locked on Wizards community here. You can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, probably just about anywhere you do your podcasting. If you go into iTunes, if you have a second to... uh Click on the five-star rating or leave a review. It just helps more people find the podcast. We want to keep growing, obviously, this community. Uh, it's, you know, look, we, if you're a Wizards person, you know it's not always easy finding people to talk about the Wizards or do so in a way that's interesting, critical, informative, knowledgeable. Hopefully, we're doing that here on this podcast, and it's great to keep this going. Um, all right, so uh, let, let me not mess around here too much. I will get to Adam Rubin right now, and then after that, I will bring on, uh, I'll, I'll pull up the audio for Jan Mahimi, uh, and we'll have a lot more coming up ahead uh, this week. And one last thing, Wiz Resolutions, I've asked you guys now to give me some of your New Year's resolution ideas for the Wizards players, Scott Brooks, Ernie Grunfeld, you can go G Wiz if you want, keep it, keep it family friendly, uh, but you know, have some fun with it too, that's all good. But you can send me those either on Twitter, at Ben Standig, use hashtag WizResolutions, or email me, bstandig1 at gmail.com. I've had some really good ones coming in. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get, we'll, we'll get some of asking some uh, ideas for some friends as well. So send those in, WizResolutions, hashtag WizResolutions on Twitter, your ideas for the Wizards New Year's resolutions. All right. Without further ado... Uh, in a one moment here, well, I guess it was, it's going to be further ado if I say one moment. In any event, we'll go here in just a second, my conversation with Adam Rubin from truthaboutit.net. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, as promised, joining the podcast, the man who is a staple at Capital One Arena for Wizards games and has certainly become a staple on this year's podcast, Truly turning in an MVP type season, Mr. Adam Rubin, aka Liddell's Place on Twitter. Adam, we are talking the morning after a Wizards win. Normally, we do these things the 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 the, the night that these things occur, but now we do, we have a little bit of perspective, I guess. I don't know how much coffee you've had to kick that perspective in, but we got a little more perspective. We're, we're, we're coming off a Wizards win. I mean, ultimately a blowout win. It's almost it was almost like stunning in like retrospect that it never got closer, not just because we've seen the Wizards have these uh, Jekyll and Hyde performances where one game, one minute they're up and the next minute that's, you know, it's a tight game where they're losing. It's also that the, the other team they were playing 
is very good. I know Houston's in a bit of a funk and they're coming off a of back to back, but Houston, you know, they got it down to six at one point. They just never could quite get over the hump. Kept waiting for that surge to happen, but 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 it didn't. What what, what ultimately is more surprising to you that Houston didn't really have that surge, or that the Wizards didn't collapse the way we've seen um, in so many games this month? Well, in all fairness, we should tell them the real reason why we're doing the podcast this morning and not last night, and that's because I blacked out after Sadoransky's dunk. <laughs> and so we had to postpone things for 12 hours, and now I'm back. I'm still a little woozy, but but, uh, but we can go on now. It takes a real man to admit that, so, so very good for you. Um, but I thought, yeah, it was surprising Houston didn't make a run. I don't know if it has something to do with, you know, they played last night, that crazy ending in, in Boston, but – because Chris Paul was back, that's what I thought was the most impressive, the way they controlled Chris Paul. I know he was coming back from injury, but there were many occasions where he was ISOed on Mahimi, on uh, – I mean, Sadoransky got him on that, that drive, you know, where, they, where Chris Paul got the ball back and threw it off of Sadoransky. But uh, several times they sort of kept him in check, kept – you know, didn't fight on his pump fakes. He's always good at getting those mid-range jumpers in space. So it's just those little things and that discipline – which, you know, has always been missing. Uh, it was those little things that I think were, were so impressive. It, it wasn't just that Houston was off. I thought that, although they didn't shoot that well from three, Washington was sort of was really dialed in, everybody, and did a really good job on Paul and also avoiding Thousand Harden, which we know is, is very difficult to do. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, look, uh, before we, you know, praise the Wizards uh, a bit too much, Let's note a few things. One, Houston was coming off the back-to-back against a Boston team, and they blew a 26-point lead in that game and lost. So that's obviously a tough one to deal with, and we've seen the Wizards um, you know, deal with those situations and actually have had a lot of success on the second game of a back-to-back, but each team is different. Secondly, Chris Paul was just coming back. He clearly wasn't 100%. Also, Houston was missing several other players, namely their primary rim protector in Clint Capella, the, maybe their best yeah. wing defender in Luke Mba Mute, our guy Nene didn't play. So they, they, they weren't at full strength and on a back-to-back, whereas the Wizards had a day off or home and all that. So my only point is there is that, you know, we, we, we can't take these things like, wow, the Wizards just beat the team with the second-best record in the East. See, they really can do it. They, they can do it, which is, of course, part of our lingering frustration with, with their up-and-down nature of the team. But, you know, let's let's take Houston for what it was, a team that's very good that wasn't clearly running at full strength last night. And, and, that's, and that's all fine. You can only do – it's not the Wizards' fault, so they can only do what they can do. And they did take advantage of it because, of course, <laughs> no matter how much I don't want to keep talking about the up-and-down nature of the Wizards, last night is a good example of what they can do when they're right because they have played some other teams that weren't fully intact that had issues. I mean, I think back to those Memphis, to that Memphis win and the Clippers win at home. Those two teams decimated by injuries. The, the Wizards should have easily handled those games, and yet in both cases they came down essentially to the to the fourth quarter, late in the game, uh, because they did look past those teams. They didn't look past Houston because how can you with James Harden and everything they have? So it was another example of when the Wizards are focused. A shocker, they are they are really good, and when they're not. They may not be able to beat Adams, uh, Jim, uh, Jim, uh, guys, uh, down in down in the city. Well, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, clearly, it was not a win over the second best team in the league. It's not the same thing as beating the Celtics, but just because that doesn't really 
that hasn't really been the issue with Washington this season. So it's not like, you know, it's the same way that you wouldn't say a win over Atlanta doesn't count or a loss to Atlanta doesn't count because they're, you know, so bad. It's just, it doesn't matter who they play. You have to look for the little things. You have to look for the, them being locked in, them showing consistency. So I don't care who they're playing against. You're looking at the little things you're seeing them do it, you know, last night against Houston. Of course, they're doing it because they just got their ass kicked in Atlanta and embarrassed. Um, So, you know, that's obviously the, the overarching theme about whether they're going to do it. But the, a couple things is the ball movement was very, very good on the perimeter, getting a lot of open threes. I thought that uh, Wall, after the Atlanta game where, he, you know, everyone talked about the selfishness, Wall said, well, maybe I'm going to have to start shooting more. I only shot nine times in Atlanta. Um, I know they were just blowing off steam, but it was nice to see. I mean, this was the locked-in Wall where he's looking to pass, um, you know, starting fast breaks. Oubre did a great job, you know, on defense. So it was just sort of everybody staying in their lane doing what they were supposed to do and, and doing it well. So, I mean, it's sad. It's not great that we're at this point where we're now, you know, excited and praising them for just doing what they're supposed to do and actually showing up and playing. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's what they have to start doing. So one game is something, and, and we'll see what happens next game. But I thought the, you know, I thought all facets of the game were, were on display, and, and that's tough to do against the uh, – Forget the shorthanded, just having Harden out there and having Chris Paul, because they get so many easy points, you know, for the Rockets. Yeah, you know, one thing that was interesting was, you know, Houston, because they didn't have Capella, they started the game straight small, right? They started Ryan Anderson at the five. The, the, I mean, that's like that stuff. That's that kind of small ball lineup you could imagine they they go to here and there during a game, but not start out with it. And the Wizards had Gortat on the court. And uh, didn't turn out to be a, a big deal. If anything, the Wizards maybe didn't take advantage of, of looking inside to Gortat a little bit more. Uh, you know, I know Gortat is not exactly he doesn't play to the power sometimes that he would you'd think he would have, but nonetheless, he had an interior advantage that didn't quite go to it. But uh, if Houston had Capella, right? I, I, I think this would have been a game, an interesting game to see the Wizards with that, you know, true small ball scenario with Markeith Morris at the five and Ubre and Otto at the, at the forwards, which they did use in this game because, you know, Capella is such a compelling uh, player for Houston because he really allows them to have all those perimeter guys because he's so good at protecting the, the, the rim for them. And that's the thing the Wizards don't have right now, right? I mean, the, the last few games they've gone with this small ball lineup and it's worked pretty effectively. We, we've all been kind of waiting for it for, for a year now. Part of it was Ubre had to develop more. He's done that. Markeith this year had to get healthier. It looks like he's rounding into shape. Um, the Wizards still don't have that one piece. So on the one hand, I feel like we're seeing that the Wizards, this small ball lineup is probably, like at the end of the day, is probably the lineup that they're going to have to use to, like if they're going to be effective when we get to the postseason, that's the lineup that's going to be out on the court. I'm not saying it's Golden State's death lineup. I saw somebody say it's the Wizards' death row lineup. I kind of like that. Um, but uh, that lineup is interesting. I still don't know if they're how how good they're going to be at protecting the rim because they don't have a Capella. But um, you know these the, the, these few games against Boston and against Houston, when the Wizards can go small, they're they, they are so interesting. And you know, obviously with Ubre and Otto are playing like they did last night, making threes being active defensively, it is a, such a, a, a better look for these guys. And it's a, and also, a little, a little practical level, it's just fun, all right? I mean, it's not the grind it out. It is, it is fun uh, to, to see that group play. Yeah, I think that, well, yes, first I would say it was fun. Being in that building and it's been a lot of, uh, 
you know, games that have been not so fun. Uh, that was one where they just sort of kept piling it on. And, and, and when Houston, we, we should say that Houston did come back in the second half, the beginning of the third, and cut the lead to five. Yes. And so it's almost like it's almost like two games happened because you had Washington in the first half building a lead, playing great. Then when the lead went down to five, that was the chance, that was the time when, you know, you thought, okay, maybe we're now getting into a, a normal game and it's going to be close. So it was really a second time then that Washington turned it on. So it really was a sort of a complete game effort. You know, a lot of times we've seen them, they built a 26-point lead and then they've, they've lost it, or, you know, 20-something-point lead and lost it completely, I guess, to New Orleans, if I'm remembering the, the right team, um, and then had to build it back up. I mean, here's one where they sort of, they had to buckle down. They had to say, wait a minute, we're not letting this get away. So, you know, that's why it was a, a, a complete effort. But I do think that Clint Capella is the type of guy who does cause Washington problems because they're, Chris Paul and, and Harden are so good in the pick and roll with him. And the pick and roll coverage for Washington has been a problem all season. They switch so much that if you switch on, uh, you know, Mahimi or Gortat or, you know, Morris onto either Chris Paul or Harden, you know, you're going to get killed. Now, last night, this is what I was saying, which was so impressive. Chris Paul did get those mismatches, but every single time he pulled back and just tried to go one-on-one. He didn't use the mismatch to then drive in and throw an alley-oop to Capella, which they do so often. So it was a lot of isolation with uh, Chris Paul, and whether it's because he's coming back from injury or, or what, the Wizards did a great job of, of showing on him and, and forcing him into contested jumpers. But, yeah, it's definitely – one of Washington's big problems is the pick-and-roll coverage when they switch and having no rim protector, so they just get beat on the on the – either swinging it, you know, or just giving it back to the, the big man. There's just no one there to stop them. So that's something we didn't see yet last night. So it's not like all the problems are fixed. It's also not like they sh- the Washington showed us that they can be a complete team and stop all different, you know, offensive sets. It's really one of the main problems they have they didn't have to face uh, last night. Because, you know, Tariq Black – I know he had one big dunk and, you know, he was okay, but obviously he's not, you know, he's not that good and he's not going to cause any problems. So it was really a whole a centerless night, basically, for Houston. There was no one of any, of any uh, you know, concern playing center. So that's, you know, they got sort of a free pass in that game. And I guess Chicago, I guess they, you know, they bet Lopez. Um, just thinking, looking ahead to what the next game is to see if they can, if they're, what they're going to come up against. But there's a lot of three-point shooters again on Chicago and and – like it's not as big of a score at center, but at least a, a bigger, a bigger presence down there. Right. And, and let me just say also from the Wizards' perspective, um, they didn't, they, they were shorthanded to some degree last night. Mike's got not available because of, uh, the birth of his second child. Congrats to him, uh, and his, uh, his significant other. That is, uh, very exciting news. So, so the Wizards got by without Mike Scott last night. Otto Porter was, was, was playing the Mike Scott role as in I can't miss any shots ever. <laughs> so that was, uh, so, so, so that was good. Um, so that was good for them. You know, um, I'm looking here just really quickly. This week, the Wizards have obviously played three games, and uh, they've had two wins and the loss. In those three games, they have ten line. Uh, they have four lineups that have played at least ten minutes. Again, obviously, a very small sample size. With the starters having played by far the most minutes uh, of those four lineups, three of them have a positive net rating of at least. T- plus 10.1 uh the starters are plus 12.6 uh the the group with uh Ubre instead of Gortat so the small ball lineup that we're talking about 
They have an offensive rating of 134.5. It's a, they're at plus 10.1 net rating. Uh, the, the, the lineup of just the bench guys is not good, but they didn't play yesterday because of Scott. Um, in one game that we had a lineup, I guess this was, I guess this was yesterday, right? Uh, because Otto was filling in essentially for Mike Scott starting the second and fourth quarters. The lineup with Mahimi, Meeks, Ubre, Sadaransky, and Otto yesterday, the bet in 10, only 10 minutes, I think it was just yesterday, a plus 69.2 net rating. Um, you know, I, I've said before, I really like Beal out there with that second unit, you know, take him instead of if Meeks, because all those other guys, I think have done a pretty good job of understanding their role and where they have to fit in. And it's just a matter of having that linchpin to help finish it off. And then Otto was playing in that role last night and he had that vibe as well. Like he was, he was into it. He was leading the way. So, you know, uh, this is a, let me not keep running, running on here, but I was listening to a Bill Simmons podcast. You ever listen to him much anymore or no? Yeah, I never listened to the podcast. No, I've always liked the podcast. I haven't read his stuff in a long time, but I, I always liked the podcast. And he does one with his uh, guy Kevin O'Connor, NBA guy, and they were going through all thirty teams and sort of going into like, what's the one thing about this team for you right now? Whatever that kind of meant. And for the Wizards, um, I, I, I don't really remember exactly what the one thing was, but part of the it basically was just like you know the the it, you know sort of the same thing we all say. You know, they're a maddening team. They could be, they can, they're a sleeping giant, but they just got to play consistently. But they kept talking about how poor the bench plays, the, the bench is. And I think that's a narrative that just remains to be out there. And it just simply isn't that true anymore. Like, I, I, again, the bench is not to be compared with, you know, all time great benches of all time. I'm not saying that at all, but to, to, to look at the Wizards bench and to see what they've been, what they've done. And when you mix in with at least just one starter with them, how how effective they can be at times. Uh, look, they weren't great again, you know, at Boston on the road. It's a different story. But I, I just think like the more we, you know, if you want to be optimistic for the people who want to dismiss one loss to Atlanta, what you can be optimistic about is over the last ten or so games, we're seeing more and more of this team build and build and build on itself. In largely because the second unit is pretty good. It's all about the starters waking up. But when you just look at some of these advanced numbers. The, the the bench continues to hold its own, and I'll just stop talking because I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I I I thought this last night was another game where the bench really helped out. Uh, and, and when when that's happening, it really does feel like they could beat just about anybody in the league outside of maybe you know Golden State or Cleveland. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've liked the lineups that have Sadoransky in there with 
they've done it now with a couple starters out there as well. And yeah, it moves. If they're moving the ball and they're hitting threes, you know, it works really well. The only time really the second unit has problems is when they go into the half court set and when they have to try to manufacture baskets uh, when Beal isn't out there because Otto is good on the second unit, but not as an isolation score. So I think that's really, if you're going to look at the one area offensively where the team has some issues, it's Sadoransky running that second unit in half court sets simply because uh, he looks to try to run a play and set up, you know, set up a man for a good shot. But sometimes when he's out there, there's nobody available who can create their own offense. So sort of cycling through the, the motions isn't going to do anything other than get, you know, Meeks a, a leaner uh, or, you know, Ubre will just break it off and try to drive to the rim. And, you know, you've seen so many times where the, the second unit ends with a pass to Mahimi, you know, in the post or down low, and it's just a turnover, a missed shot, and those type of things um, that really bogs down the offense. And, and so I think that's sort of – that's the one area where I think they can look to improve, and I think Sadoransky can start to be even you know, more aggressive in situations where he's getting pressured by some smaller guards. If you beat that guard and you get that next step over him, you don't have to then try to run the offense. If you get that step, you're now playing five and four – you know, you can go straight to the rim like we saw last night and sort of get some easy baskets. But, yeah, I think the na- the narrative that, that the defense is, is awful would be I think it's going to take a little time for the national media to sort of catch up. And also because Washington's record is so bad and their performance has been so bad that there isn't a, a race to go analyze Washington to see what's working so well. You know, there's no they're not no one's looking to see like, oh, what's so great this year that wasn't there last year because they're looking at this year as a. As, as a disappointment thus far, and, and, and it has been. So um, I think, again, you know, look, we, we fall into this trap every time, you know, the, you know, looking at after a win, analyzing what they could be, uh, and then going right back there after, after a loss and, and lamenting the inconsistency. So, I mean, it's really, we can analyze this game, but really that's all it is. It's this game that we're analyzing, and you can't, you can't really extrapolate out to anything else that's going to happen, you know, forget down the road in the playoffs or down the road in, in March and April. I, I can't tell you what's going to happen on Sunday. Um, well, 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 let's get to Sunday in a sec. Cause I know we gotta, I gotta let you uh, go live life here in a quick second. The, uh, the wizards. So we're all making the joke. Scott Brooks basically made these jokes as well that, uh, you know, the wizards probably weren't going to have any issue with Houston because Houston's a good record. I mean, Scott Brooks, Flat out said, um, he, he made a joke pregame that, like, yeah, we should be fine tonight. Houston has a winning, Houston's over 500. But, and part of that is, hey, next game is the Chicago Bulls, a team that is, uh, not, uh, not under, uh, not over 500. The Bulls are only 13 and 22. So if you just look at it from that perspective, we could probably expect another bizarre game. By the way, just a quick tangent. The issues aren't the losses for me. Obviously, you don't want to lose any game. The issues aren't the losses to Atlanta. The issues aren't the losses to Dallas or Phoenix or even by or, or twice to Brooklyn. The issues are the lack of interest shown playing that particular game. The other team has a job to do as well. If they come out and make plays, you know, hats off. What can you do sometimes? But if you come out and put forth the full faith and effort that you can 
that will work out to your benefit over time. You're all about building habits, and they're not doing that in these games where they completely look disinterested because that will catch up to them. We even saw that last year in the playoffs against Boston and Atlanta. They th- th- There were times where it felt like they came out thinking, oh, we're going to win this game, and then they didn't. The, the, you got to start these habits now. You can't keep screwing around looking past teams. Now, that's, that, that, that rant aside, over the last 11 games, if, if you look at every team in the NBA's last 11 games, there are two teams that have a 9-2 and two record, Adam. Here's the, here are those two teams, the Golden State Warriors and the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls are 9-2 and two in their last 11. Uh, it, it, it is a massive turnaround. I don't think anybody saw this one coming. It's largely been because uh, Nikola Mirotic, after he got you know popped in the face, broke his jaw by his teammate Bobby Portis, since he's come back, he has really turned things around uh, for, for, for them. Chris Dunn, who uh, people completely, I thought, dismissed as part of that Jimmy Butler trade. He's looking like a guy who was a top five pick last year. Um, you know, they're, they are a much better team. So the Wizards just need to look at the last 10 games column in the standings, not the actual standings. Yeah, Chris Dunn, I mean, yeah, obviously, uh, Miritich has been, the shooting's been great. Marketing's shooting's been great. Uh, but Chris Dunn's been playing really very, very good. And I'm hoping that, you know, sometimes Wall will sort of, when you're playing a bad team, he sort of, he sort of, uh, you know, he doesn't put forth the energy, you know, sometimes guarding these, uh, point guards, or he sort of likes to let them get by and try to go for the reach around steals or try to get the blocks. You know, you sort of got to be locked in. Chris Dunn's playing really well. He deserves the same amount of, uh, concentration that, that, you know, Chris Paul did, uh, last night. And obviously he's not. Chris Paul's level, but I'm saying, you know, you need to be locked in and taken seriously. Um, But yeah, the up and down nature, I mean, this is really, you can't look at the, um, you can't look at the win last night against Houston and say, oh, well, maybe they've solved their problems because it's actually the way I look at it, that win against Houston proves their problem. It's, if they lost and got their ass kicked to Houston, I would say, well, we got other issues. They got to work on it. It's not just consistency. But it's the fact that they beat them. That's just more proof that their problem is just simply inconsistency. So uh, that's why I'm saying I don't think anything's been solved. I think it's, we're just seeing it more of the, you know, more evidence of the problem. And, and uh, you know, I was saying before the game, I wrote something about, because Paul Pierce, there was a, you know, don't get all the details, I'm stupid, Uber commercial but Paul Pierce is on an Uber commercial and they were asking him about you know the younger players in this, this generation and and he was mentioning how they're concerned about their brands and he gave an example of the Washington Wizards locker room how he would go in at halftime and all the players would be on their phones on Twitter on Instagram and and he said look we're supposed to be locked in on the game here like what are you all you know what are you all doing and that idea of being locked in is something, and that, that was two and a half years ago when he was played with Washington, and that locked in, the, that idea is, has been a problem since before Paul Pierce and ever since, and that's why after the Boston game, when, when uh, the Coach Brooks said, well, the team, they were locked in during the timeout. Everyone was you know, paying attention. They got to do this, this. I don't know what they did before the game, but whatever they did, let's do it again. And so it's that, the, it's that theme of being locked in which they just aren't able to do. And I understand I'm doing here a nice a promo for, your, for, the, for the podcast as well, just using the locked on. So it's, that's really what the issue is, and that's why I was saying, you know, they need a veteran, they need somebody who can have that voice and that veteran leader on the team. And so just having one in, you know, against Houston doesn't mean now they're locked in. It just means 
look, it just shows that that's what the problem is. So, you know, again, we'll just have to see on, on, on Sunday. Cause I, I just don't think there's that veteran voice in the locker room. I know wall and, and Beal are leaders, but you know, wall will always tell you, I'm not really vocal. I just lead by actions. Well, we have like six, seven years of actions that we've seen on the court and it's inconsistency. So, I mean, there's, there's, that's, you know, part of the issue. So, I mean, I don't know who, I saw something on, you know, someone wrote, I think it was NBC Washington or whatever saying that, you know, Bradley Beal is a leader on the team and he's holding people accountable. But that, I mean, it's, it's not the leader in the way that, you know, a, a Paul Pierce or, or another veteran, you know, KG or someone like a real you know guy on the team who can really sort of, put his foot down and everybody follows. I mean, there, there isn't anybody on the team, you know, like that. Right. Just because, I mean, just because you're the best player, second best player, leading scorer, that doesn't mean you're the leader of the team in that respect. That's a personality thing. Not everybody has that, which is not to their fault. I mean, this is a fact of life. By the way, I, I would like to point out before I let you go that Miritich and Dunn, not only have they helped fuel the Bulls comeback, they have thrust the last man standing fantasy basketball team into first place in the Lockdown Wizards Fantasy League. Uh, it is a three-man race at this point. i just noticing three-man race, last man standing. you got to harvest your nuts, which is the run by Mr. Scott Jackson from ESPN 980. And in third place, but a very close, close third place, the, 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 the Simone Dinnerstein team, captained by Mr. Adam Rubin. We are killing everybody else. It's all, it's all us. Everybody else stinks, apparently. But right now, Chris Dunn, Miritich, they put me over the top. We may have to end the season right here. I'm going to debate that. Oh, yeah. Chris Dunn definitely has been. That's why one of the reasons why I do know, fantasy-wise, I'm familiar with what Dunn has been doing by looking at what he's, by the assists and steals he's putting up in the shooting. So I, I, that's, fantasy does help you in some ways to keep up on the other, the other teams, the other guys who are sort of streaking, you know, and, and what the, how they've been doing over the last few weeks. So it's sort of like being an advanced scout. You know, you get, you get a taste of those guys coming in and, and what they've been doing. Yeah. All right, man. You got to go do your thing. I appreciate it. Uh, I assume I will talk to you, but in case I don't talk to you officially on the podcast, happy new year. Thanks to all your help. And uh, we got some new year's resolutions we're, we're coming up with here for uh, the wizards. You, you of course can be part of that hash. You can t- tweet us at Ben Standiger. I'm sure tweet Adam as well. Why not at Liddell's place, hashtag whiz resolutions, things for the players, the, the Scott Brooks, Ernie Grunfeld, G whiz. If you want, whatever you got, Keep it clean, but uh, we'll go do that. Uh, Adam, uh, appreciate it, man. Go do your thing. We'll talk soon. All right. As always, big thanks to Adam Rubin. Uh, Adam has been a huge help for me this this year, this season in particular. Uh, it's always more fun to talk to, to another human being about this. Um, but, you know, imposing on people's time. Uh, so, you know, to, to have somebody who's willing to talk almost whenever about these Crazy Washington Wizards is a huge help, and I really appreciate Adam's time uh, for sure. All right. So, look, obviously, this up-and-down nature of the Wizards, until it's proven otherwise, we don't, we don't know if there's a turnaround truly happening. You can obviously see signs of of, of, of good coming around. They have been much better at home. I think they're 6-1 and one in their last seven home games. And obviously, the, 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 the starters uh, are becoming a little more engaged consistently, pointed out that uh, the Wizards, uh, or, well, it was pointed out to me last night, I'll explain how that was in a second, but that Markeith Morris, even though he had a bad shooting night, he had nine rebounds, he was more engaged, and that was a good sign there. Uh, that, that was pointed out to me by Phil Chenier. Uh, last night, part of the reason why I didn't get to the podcast for us here was 
Uh, I kind of got thrust in or asked at the last second to help out uh, my friends over at NBC Sports Washington with their Wizards podcast. So I uh, got to do that last night with uh, my guy Chase Hughes, Phil Chenier, the great Julie Donaldson, uh, producer extraordinaire Adam Wise. Many thanks to them for letting me be part of that. Now, of course, you know, don't go subscribe to them. Just stay with me. <laughs> but I had a lot of fun on that one, and and um, part of the conversation is the same one we're having here. Obviously, the up and down nature of the Wizards. Uh, and, and Phil Chenier was there, and, and uh, Phil was very kind to some, some things I, that I said. But he, he pointed out, you know, that, that, that for him, I think Markeith Morris is is a real huge for this team, and, and because of what he brings to them. And I and I would I would have totally agree with that. You guys have heard me say this many times. It's He may be the toughest guy for the Wizards to have to replace based on their current roster because they just don't have a guy who can do what, what he can do on both ends of the court. In fact, I would even say this, as, we, as we're going to talk more and more about what do the Wizards need to do, right, going into um, the trading deadline, if they need to do anything big, bold, just adjust at the roster at the margins. You know, I'm kind of thinking... It's that stretch, it's that small ball big, you know, because if Markeith Morris is in foul trouble or whatever, they don't really have anybody else they can go small with, right? I mean, Mike Scott, you know, just straight up, you know, Markeith is just a little bit bigger than him. Um, you know, if you, if you had to, I guess you could say Mike Scott could be that guy. Um, but defensively, you know, they don't, neither of those guys are real rim guys. And I would be curious out there, is there somebody out there that the Wizards could get? could be a small ball five and help around the rim because if they could get that guy and then you can play that lineup even more than they have so far I think that could be really interesting you know maybe even with you know Mike Scott as one of the forwards instead of Ubre or Otto um you know at times so more on that to come but speaking of the big men I caught up with one of them last night, Jan Mahimi, after the game, uh, just for a quick moment. Here's what Jan Mahimi had to say both about his role last night against the Rockets and also <laughs> the, the Jekyll and Hyde nature of this team and what can we expect from the Wizards against the Bulls on Sunday. Plus 25. Uh, I, I wouldn't think of you in that game, but that the way they play, that you would be the guy. But defensively, why were you so effective tonight? Well, I think the schemes and, and the game plan is pretty simple. You know, they got a lot of shooters, and, uh, a few couple of playmakers. So I just try to, you know, be smart and know who you guard and know their tendencies and what they like to do. That's it. You know, it's, games like that is really about tendencies and, uh, and knowing your personal. So now how do we take this performance to the next game? Oh, my gosh. You try to have that, uh, that secret. I wouldn't give it to you, man. It's, uh, it's, uh, right now, right now is the number one secret. I don't even think we know. <laughs> no, we will come back and, and we'll stay focused. You know, the good thing is that we play better at home and, um, we have a good stretch at home and, um, you know, we gotta come out with a lot of energy and, and I think we'll be alright. Alright, there we go. Jan Mahimi, uh, look, you know, again, uh, we, I always wanna, I always feel like I have to say, you know, at some point we have to look past the salary and just focus on what he's done. He's been better lately, just like the bench has been in general. Um, you know, offensively, it's still a little dicey when he's got the ball in his hands. But, you know, Scott Brooks was effusive with his praise last night uh, about what he was doing in switches, defending at the rim. And, uh, you know, good signs there. And, uh, look, he's uh, 
if Yamahimi, look, if all these guys are playing at their best, I think the Wizards do indeed have enough to compete with just about everybody. I don't know if they got the goods on Cleveland this year based on what we've seen from Cleveland so far, but even that, the Cavaliers have a lot to figure out when Isaiah Thomas comes back, so... We will see. Lots more of this season left to go. It'll be exciting, especially as Scott Brooks said at the top, the Wizards we see are the guys we see last night because for he said it's coaching the other team is not fun at all. I know for all of us watching them, talking about them, not as much fun at all. Hopefully after Sunday, even if they lose to the Bulls, who are, again, very hot right now, even if they lose to the Bulls, hopefully we're talking about a good effort out of the Wizards. By the way, I should just mention, since Adam and I talked about Chris Dunn, it, doesn't, it looks like he did not play in the Bulls' win Friday against Indiana. Uh, he had something of a knee issue. Jerrion Grant, a local Damatha kid, of course, filled in 11 and 12. Uh, Lori Markinen, 32 points. Also part of that Jimmy Butler trade. And, and Nikola Mirotic, 28 off the bench. So the Bulls are getting it done for sure. Will be an interesting game for the Wizards. Hopefully they look at that last 10 games record, not the 82. All right, let's call it there. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Appreciate your patience as I got uh, took a minute to get this up today. Uh, back at it. More podcasts uh, coming up. I'm going to at least have to have one on Sunday just to wish you guys New Year's if nothing else. So, all right, that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time, see ya. Deal gets open for three. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 